Well, hi, my name is Morris. I'm one of the leaders of Christchurch. Thank you so much for giving us your time today, tuning in. Uh, we're loving looking at this book of Daniel together. And we're really pleased you've joined us, whether you're a regular, whether you just happen to be tuning in, whether you're moving to Liverpool and looking for a church. Whatever it is, we're really glad you're uh, joining in. Just to say, now's the moment when you might want to give your children something to entertain them, or you might want to um, go to the loo. While you're uh, doing that, just let me explain what we're up to. We're doing this series called Mad World, and it's based on the book of Daniel. Hopefully you'll understand how it's relevant to us that we've got a series called Mad World, because I imagine if you're uh, anything like anybody else, you find the world go crazy in the last eight months, and it is all, all over the whole world. And maybe, um, uh, so that's why it's what is, you know, Mad World is to do with us. But that's why we're looking at Daniel. He was someone who lived through a time when the world went totally mad and is a model for us in the Bible of how to live through that trusting God. So it's been a great thing to look at that together. Daniel chapter 7 we're at today. Now as you uh, heard the reading today, you, and it would be good if you have a phone to switch it on, if you have a Bible, open it up, because I'll be referring to the reading. But if you've been with us so far to Daniel, and then you heard today's reading, you may, you may well have been like, hmm, right, okay, change of tone here. So far, Daniel 1 to 6 has been stories of Daniel and his friends and stuff they did. And suddenly we've moved to weird visions of beasts with four heads. What's going on there? Well, the best way to explain this, and I've explained it this way in Christchurch before, so um, you'll excuse me if you've heard it before, is using this photograph. It should come up on the screen. And um, this is a picture of the Situation Room, which is a complex of rooms in the White House where crisis situations are run from, where the plans are thought up and then communicated to the front line. This is actually a picture of Barack Obama and then Vice President Joe Biden and then Secretary of State Hillary Clinton watching the terrorist Osama bin Laden be killed by American Marines. One of them, I think, had a camera in their helmet and they were watching that in the Situation Room. Now, I'm not making any comment politically about whether that was good or bad or wise or unwise or anything else. What I want to point out is uh, what we're talking about there is two realms which on the face of it couldn't be further apart. So over here you've got a soldier in a dry desert, the middle of the night, chaos, gunfire, blood, uh, helicopter noise, uh, madness. But over here you have air conditioning, coffee, bottled water, electronic maps, state-of-the-art technology. It looks like two vastly different situations. But if you're on the front line, you are intimately connected to what's going on in the Situation Room. Uh, the plan in the Situation Room is what you are doing on the front line. And really, sometimes you need to pull back the curtain and see what's going on in there so you can trust you're doing the right thing over here. I guess what you could say then is the book of Daniel we've been reading so far, um, the first part, chapter 1 to 6, it's about the front line. It's the story of Daniel and his friends being planted in Babylon. This huge, powerful and evil kingdom. They're ripped up from where they come from. They're put there as people who trust God. And they have to work out what it means to honour God, to love God in that environment where nobody else loves God. And we've learned how God has used that to do amazing things. They've been right on the front line and they've been faithful foot soldiers in God's battle. 
just to say God's battle never means actual fighting. God's battle is won as people who trust him serve and speak on the front line. That's chapters one to six. Chapter seven onwards is the situation room. I don't know whether you've ever done that thing in your mouse pad where your writing's much too big and so you think, I'll just zoom out and you do this action. And uh, you zoom out and suddenly everything goes far, far, far too tiny. You're like, we can't read it at all. I'm zooming in and out, trying to find the right size. That's a bit like what happens here. We go right from that historical place, Daniel in Babylon, serving God, and we zoom right out into like, what is God himself doing in eternity, outside of time? In a spiritual world, we can't see what is God up to. But the two things are connected. Because if you know what God is up to in eternity, then you know how to do your bit of the mission in the front line. So that's what's going on in this part of Daniel. Um, And the front line can feel panicky and difficult and uncertain and out of control. And may well be how you feel at the moment in whatever you're having to do to serve God in this very strange time. But soldiers can do that in the chaotic place in the front line if they know there's a clear, calm plan in the situation room. If you're a soldier and you looked into the situation room, there'd be loads you didn't understand because it's not your realm. Same for us. There'll be lots we don't understand here as we look past the physical into the spiritual world where gods live. And yet we can be assured that there's someone in the situation room of history sitting in the throne there who has better plans than even Barack Obama. And that's how Daniel is able to be Daniel. Maybe you've read through Daniel and thought, how could he be this amazing, calm, tactful, prophetic witness under pressure? It's not that he was a particularly amazing person. It's that he knew God was in control behind the scenes and that flowed on in his life. And this first vision we get fits into the history just after chapter 4 Uh, when Nebuchadnezzar has been restored to um, being uh, in his right mind again. God knows, you see, if we're going to do the job he is asking us to do, which is to carry the weight of a sinful world, but speak truth to people who don't know God. We need to know what the big plan is, what he's up to. And so we're going to see that, chapter 7 onwards. Here's the first thing that we see, animal kingdoms. Just say you're at a funeral and you hear someone say from the front at the funeral about the person who's died, they were just a wonderful human being. What would you think they meant? You might think uh, they meant they're a really successful business person. No, I don't think so. Or all of their dreams came true, they did everything they ever wanted. Probably not. They travelled everywhere they wanted to go and they lived in a really nice house. Not what you'd use the phrase wonderful human being to mean. You probably mean they were kind and generous. They wanted what was best for others. They put other people before themselves as a lifestyle. They're a wonderful human being. You see, what we really get is that we're most authentically human. What we're made to be when we seek the good of others, rather than things we want for ourselves. (laughs) 
person I've heard described as a wonderful human being over the last couple of weeks is the footballer Marcus Rashford. And it's not been because he's been good at football. I mean, he might be. I don't know anything about that. Good at football? Not good at football. Don't know. He makes a lot of money out of it, so I guess he's quite good. But when we say wonderful human being, that's not what we're referring to. We're referring to the way he's used his power to help other people. Now, say you're in a situation, you hear the opposite. Someone says they were behaving like an animal. They don't mean they live in a barn, they eat grass. They moo a lot. No, we're saying they're less than human because of something morally suspect about them. They just let their passions decide what to do. They're destructive, they're horrible, they try to get what's best for themselves all the time. They're an animal, they're animals. And here's a strange thing you might have noticed. Even people who are wonderful human beings, when they try to create systems that contain power in them, they create systems that are quite animalistic and make people less than human. I don't know whether you've seen this film, I, Daniel Blake. It's a you know, terrible indictment on someone who, and their experience of trying to go through the universal credit system in our country. And a politician uh, responded to the film by saying, well, I think all the people who work in job centres are very nice people. I don't think anyone disputes that. No one is saying people who work in job centres are evil. No, what the film is saying is when even nice, well-meaning people get together and create regimes and systems and ways of living, it's dehumanising. We become less caring than we should be. And maybe you've known someone like that. Someone who you always thought was nice and then they got a bit of power and they started to treat everybody as if everyone else is less than them. Well, the book of Daniel uses that idea a lot. When the king Nebuchadnezzar was at his most admiring, most successful, he was cast on by God to be an animal, to live like an animal, because God was saying, you're being less than human when you oppress others. God, on the other hand, he loves and serves and puts others before himself. And we're made to reflect God rather than get all the things we want. And so the more we do that, the more we're authentically human. But it tends to be the more power we get, the more we behave like animals, promoting ourselves, doing what we like. Now, the point of all that is to explain Daniel's strange dream, which is of four animals, sort of mutant animals, actually. And later we discover each one represents a king, a kingdom, a system that will rise up and rule for a while. First, there's a lion with wings. The wings are plucked up, plucked off, and he is made to stand up like a man, and a man's mind is given to it. That sounds like the story of Nebuchadnezzar earlier in the book. He's cast on to be an animal, but then when he humbles himself, he's raised up. And he does start to think like a human being because he honours God. The second kingdom is a leopard, a leopard with four faces. And I think that's saying, that's a picture of um, the cruelty and speed by which it uh, conquers people, but in four directions. It's going all over the world to do it. The kingdom uh, that comes is represented by a bear, the leftovers of what it's eaten is still in its mouth, dripping. It's a cruel kingdom that eats people alive. And the last beast is so terrifying, it defies human description. It crushes everything in sight. It grows horns, 
Horns in the Bible are always images of strong rulers. It has 10 horns, which suggests the beast was unbeatably strong. And then one sort of human type horn rises above the rest and starts mouthing off about how great it is to everybody. It's the picture of cruelty and arrogance. Now here's the message of God to Daniel. Kingdoms, systems designed by human beings who have rejected God and hence uh, behave like animals, they will rise. And they'll rise for a while with God's permission. The beasts are allowed to eat much flesh. The rule is given to them. Evil kingdoms do come onto the earth. Sometimes indescribably terrible rulers arrive and they seem to be unbeatable. They've got 10 horns and they seem to be full of boasting. Sometimes one cruel individual rises to the top of that kingdom and is the mouthpiece for all the arrogance and evil of that kingdom. And Europe in the 20th century has seen plenty of that. And Daniel, you're going to have to live through the rise and fall of kingdoms like these, where the humanity of those in charge gets less and less. They're like animals. They eat the poor. They crush the weak. They live to promote themselves. And Daniel, God gets that it's terrifying, but it is not out of control in the situation room. In fact, it's God himself allowing a certain amount of freedom to these kingdoms to achieve the things that he wants to achieve. Now that can be hard to swallow, but certainly the vision seems to suggest that one of these kingdoms, the last one, it comes so bad that it goes beyond what God will allow. It thinks it controls its own destiny and boastfully does what it likes, but we'll see in a second what happens to that kingdom. But it is not out of control in the situation room. Many of us feel like we know what it is to be ruled by people who at best seem incompetent and at worst take decisions that just seem cruel and self-centered. It's not long before you discover that it actually was cruelty. They were ready to be cruel because there was something in it for them and their own advantage. And it's right to say when rulers behave like that, they've begun to abandon what actually makes us human, which is a deep concern and care for others, in order to be an animal, to eat up for yourself and not care about hurting others. And if you live in a workplace, a government, a country that feels like that, you can begin to feel, what's the point of trying to be Daniel, honouring God in such a corrupt and broken system? And this vision to Daniel says, listen, the real God has his purposes in allowing the evil to rule for some time. He gives them permission to go on for a while, but he is still in charge. So you should still live with him in charge. I guess going back to the situation room in the military example, you could have a military sort of command to take out a particular target. And you might feel like, well, what's the point in taking out that one tiny little target? when it will still leave this whole evil regime in place. And the situation room says, well, the mission isn't pointless just because we're not overthrowing everything now. You, your faithfulness, your service, your frontline battle is not wasted given the overall plan. And you, in your attempt to live as a Christian, to serve others and to speak the truth about Jesus, 
That's not wasted just because a lot of the systems you live in are broken by people's selfishness. And that is evident to you. You know, people in our church family, I know, work in systems that are totally messed up by, I don't know, a boss's animal-like selfish behaviour. And everyone, it feels like, is eaten alive by poor management, poor leadership. You might feel the government is always making choices to make your life harder and harder. And so your small battle to show grace to colleagues, to share your faith in Jesus, to be kind and generous to people in the church family, just doesn't feel like much. It's like trying to bring humanity into the zoo. But who knows what you'll achieve? The story of Daniel suggests that moments will come when you will get to speak truth to powerful people like Nezer. And the Situation Room has it under control and your job is to get on with your bit of the mission. To bring humanity to the place where you are. There's also a warning here, just by the by. Do be careful not to become an animal. Oh, uh, we don't actually go out sort of tearing the place up and uh, eating people alive. But there's plenty of Christians who think it's fine just to get what you want for yourself all the time, to live, to be authentically you. Oh, it might harm others, but I need to be myself. And it's not a self-indulgent, following their own dreams, self-seeking person who is most authentically human. It's what animals do. They put themselves first. Humans reflecting God serve others. And if you've been a victim of powerful people behaving in this animal-like way, make sure you don't become that yourself, quietly, on the sly. If you're faced with difficult decisions this week, just think, is this a human or an animal response I'm giving? Well, animal kingdoms are eclipsed by God's court. It looks like the gobby little horn is having the last word here. It lives and grows out of a kingdom that brings total destruction and speaks out and boasts about how great he is. And as Daniel looked at that, this horn, <laughs> saying how great it is, thrones are placed and the Ancient of Days takes his seat on the throne. It's so different from the chaos of the animals trying to control the earth, stirring up a storm in the sea, eating, crushing, boasting. The Ancient of Days, the one who has existed long before any of them, we, we, that's God the Father, his throne is placed for him to make judgment on what's going on and he serenely, authoritatively sits down. Oh, kingdoms come and go. But God is the Ancient of Days, unchangeable, eternal, always there. The grand plans of these kingdoms, they come and go to God. He doesn't change. And as the demonic angry, animal-like plans of the nations try to be worked out. God is purest white. While they fight, eat, crush, boast, he sits down. And he's not a harmless old man. That We can think that about the word ancient. Ancient just means everlasting here. 
But to be clear, he's not harmless. He's surrounded by this judging power. A stream of fire comes out from him. He, you know, he causes, he burns away wrong wherever he goes. And the beings who serve him, now they can't even be counted. While the nations are fighting to be powerful, to be honoured, to be recognised, God sits in perfect moral purity and it's only him who judges and he does not need anyone to force him. Countless people just do. He has endless power. And he's sit sitting for a purpose. It's a courtroom. The judge is seated. The room is called to order. The judgments are written in the books and they're ready to be read out. Now remember, back a bit, the kingdom's so bad and awful Daniel couldn't even describe it. It crushed everything around it to dust and it had that gobby little horn that was chatting away about how great it was, uprooting everybody else, boasting about his evil. Daniel's forgotten him for a minute. He's so amazed by this vision of glory, awesome, beautiful God. But he has that thing where like you might be looking out your window at this amazing sunset and then in the background it's like oh I've left the radio on and I can hear you know Alan Carr the horn is still speaking away as this glorious vision of God is revealed but very simply once God is sitting on his throne and making judgments it says about this beast this beast that Daniel was so terrified of he couldn't even describe it simply says the beast was killed and its body was destroyed. In one verse, God pulls down this boasting kingdom, gone, judged, and the body's destroyed. Nothing is left of it. Here on the front line, it all looks like one bad leader follows another. Oh, and they might have started off human looking, wanting to serve and love people, but the power turns them into animals. And they are in charge and I'm just plugging away, trying to serve God where I am. But the people with power are so bad. Listen, the God you are serving, when you're doing that, he sits on the throne. He is endlessly pure and powerful. And you're not alone serving him, no matter how isolated you might feel. Behind the curtain throughout history, there are tens of thousands, millions, billions who serve him joyfully. And knowing that, that situation room view, hopefully that helps you do your part. Some people get very worked up about which animal represents which kingdom. And there's a bit of a disagreement about this uh, animal with the ten horns. Is it the Greek Empire? Is it the Roman Empire? You know, those empires that covered the whole known world in their day and were extremely cruel to their enemies. Very hard to live as a believer under them. But God just speaks and their body is destroyed. I mean, that's true, isn't it? I don't know if you've been to Athens or you've been to Rome. It all looks like this. You know, destroyed, that empire. Gone. Boris Johnson will one day be a footnote in history. But God will still be on the throne. It is him who makes judgments of leaders. You're not wasting your time serving him now. It's interesting, this vision comes in the first year of Belshazzar, which was a pretty depressing time for Daniel. He'd seen Nebuchadnezzar, the previous king, come to know God, 
But Belshazzar, his son or grandson, came to the throne. He was terrible. He was arrogant, evil, tyrant. He, he abused everything that mattered to Daniel. It was awful. Hope and all gone. And that's when this vision comes. When God says to Daniel, there's stuff going on that is out of your control. But the Situation Room has it under control. And the God who has always been pure and powerful will judge rightly in the end. You know, there's so much going on at the moment that is out of our control. Over this time, I've found myself a couple of times having near panic attacks, just seeing the world as we thought we knew it falling apart. It's at that moment you need this picture of the calm, serene, pure, judging, powerful God on his throne. Here's the third thing we see, a human ruler. Once I was um, giving a short seminar at a Christian conference and I thought I had to go to a seminar leaders meeting. So I just walked into this room. There were people sitting in a circle. I thought this must be the seminar leaders meeting and sat down. And everyone went silent and looked at me. Then I looked around the room and was like, oh yes, these are actually the important people who are organising the whole conference. Uh, that's why there's only seven of them rather than a hundred of them. And one of them gently said, oh, you, you, don't, you don't really need to be at this meeting. I was so embarrassed. I couldn't actually go to the meeting later that I was supposed to go to. Feels a little bit like the, what goes on here next. The God of heaven, the ancient of days, is judging these huge animal kingdoms that trample over and destroy the earth. Who, who appears on the picture? On a cloud, floating in a person, a human being. It feels embarrassing. Someone who looks like a son of man, literally a human being, Floating in on a cloud to this scene of judgment, God versus the evil kingdoms. It's like, uh, sorry, have you come to the wrong meeting? But just wait. Because so far, while it's been impressive, evil kingdoms devouring and eating, remember the worst comes to the fore in people when we have power. But here is a son of man, a true human being, Someone who is going to demonstrate to us the best and truest sense of what it is to be human. And he stands before the Ancient of Days without fighting for power, without grasping power, without eating anybody up to get power. And he is given dominion, rule, glory. The things the beasts are crushing everybody in order to get are given to him the perfect human being. And because of that, people from all nations and languages will come to serve him. Remember the bear's rule. So terrifying to Daniel, he couldn't describe it, but God's just like, bing, gone. The ruins are just in the road in Rome or Athens. This perfect human being's kingdom will never pass away like that, will never be destroyed. The least animal-like, most human person has an everlasting kingdom that will never be taken away from him. So today, as we live with rulers of our world, 
in their cluelessness really about what to do about this situation that they're in, it feels like the rulers of our world are endlessly making more chaos, doesn't it? I'm like, what's going on in the situation room, God, behind the scenes? Well, here's what's always going on, no matter what chaos is going on in the world, here's what's always happening in the situation room. There's one person who's perfectly human. He absolutely reflects the character of God we were made to image and show. His generosity, his love of justice, his purity, the generous love of God who made us. You can read about that one human being who was like that in the pages of the New Testament. And the amazing news is that as the chaos unfolds all around the world, as the beastly leaders fight each other, making bad and selfish choices, and Christians suffer, that God who has the power to flick arrogant rulers off the face of the earth, that God has decided that this perfect, generous, gracious, truly human person will have a kingdom that will not end. And anyone from any time, any place, any language can come and be ruled by him, cared for by him, rather than stuck at the mercy of the animals. Well, what are we to make of all that? I think there's two things to say. The first thing is this. We should be comforted. Jesus, it has been decided by God, will have a rule that will never end. And it's true even today, even at this moment when everything feels so hemmed in for us, that his gospel is bearing fruit. People are coming to know him all over the world. His kingdom is unstoppable. And that could be scary if he wasn't so good if he wasn't the perfect human being, if he was everything God has made humanity to be, and he has been decided by God, he will rule gently, carefully, generously over anyone who comes for him. He's the only one not marred by animal instincts. You know, I suspect if you're letting other things rule your life, your work or a desire for money or even a relationship by a normal human person who's not Jesus, the animal in that comes out and hurts and attacks you more times than you would like. Well, I can assure you there's no animal in Jesus. Only humanity. He rules justly, generously and well. And he will care for you. And that kingdom is unstoppable. It is never going to end. So if you're hanging on by your fingertips, trying to trust Jesus in this crazy time, be comforted. He's good and he's strong. Here's the other thing to say. Be bold. You know, it's so easy to see the animal kingdoms unfolding before you and just be terrified. Keep your head down. Don't speak up as a Christian. Don't do what you know is right. And this vision is given to Daniel to say, oh, it feels like there's this group of people above you who are terrible and you can't trust. But believe me, Daniel, there's someone else above them and he is good and you can trust him. 
and you basically need to sort of sidestep those people and make sure that rule is what is seen in your life. The rule of that person, not the people in between. And that, I think, is going to mean being bold. It's what we've seen in this story of Daniel several times. Most of his life is just quietly getting on with his work in an honourable way. But when the moment comes that he can speak quite harsh, but true and significant words of truth to very powerful people who could have him killed, he does it. Why? Because he knows this. Now he's given this vision just before he has to go and tell Belshazzar, the most powerful man in the world, that God has, found, has weighed his life and found it wanting. And he can do that. He can speak up with a heart of service. He can speak up because he knows this is true. Let me finish with an example. Um, I've ended up over this COVID period following a lot of medics, epidemiologists, people like that on Twitter because I get a bit obsessed with COVID news and I want to know what's going on. I was following this woman who during the peak of the pandemic, uh, the first peak of the pandemic, was working in an ICU in London where she just said it was awful. And a very atheistic woman saying, how could anyone believe in God given the awful things that I'm seeing unfolding in front of me? That type of thing was in her feed quite a lot. But three, maybe a month ago, she tweeted this long thread, basically saying, we didn't tell, I didn't tell anyone this at the time, but something amazing happened to me during that time. It was late in a night shift. We were taking a very poorly patient, transferring him um, to put him onto very intrusive treatment. It was a risky procedure. Me and another consultant, doctor, and a nurse who was helping us made the transfer said, would you mind if I prayed for you and this patient? They said, they both looked at each other and they said, okay. And the woman prayed, she prayed to Jesus that she would look after the patient and help the doctors. And then she said, amen. And this woman, she's not a Christian yet, but she said, I've never before thought there might be a spiritual side to life. And now, well, I'm not so sure. I don't know anything about who that nurse was who said that prayer, except this. There she is with these strongly atheistic, driven people doing her work in a tense situation. What does she believe about that situation? That above and beyond them, there's someone else in charge. There's an ancient of days with ultimate power sitting on the throne. And he has decided that the true human being who loves and serves others is the one whose kingdom is not going to end. And if you believe that about the world, what do you do? You pray with all your heart for mercy for someone who's ill and tired people who are treating them. And that means change, progress, light comes to the world. You're going to be in the front line this week somewhere. I don't know where. But if you're going to do your job on the front line like that nurse did, here is the thing you need to know. God's on the throne in the situation room. And his unstoppable plan is unfolding that everything in the end should come under the rule of the perfect, generous, lovely Jesus. Let's pray. We thank you, Heavenly Father, so much for Jesus. 
how amazing that it is him, this perfect example of humanity and love and grace and mercy and kindness and justice, whose kingdom is being built and will last forever. Help us be comforted. Help us be bold, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to continue in an attitude of prayer now by doing what we always do in this online service, taking 10 minutes for you to type in things that you want to pray about on the chat, which is probably down this side um, of me at the moment. Some music will play. People can put things into prayer there. Wherever you're watching at the moment, I encourage you to pray, whether it's with other people or by yourself, for these things or anything else that's on your mind. Last week, we didn't have too many requests in here. So if you're watching and just want to encourage you anything, please put anything in there that it would be valuable for you to pray for. Just remember it's a public forum, so don't put anything that can't go out into the public, uh, into a public sphere. Um, so let's spend some time now reflecting on what we've learned in Daniel and praying together. <laughs> 